morning, everybody. Uh, Rob and Darla are out of town, so I get to fill in today. So I got some big shoes to fill, but I'm really excited, as I usually am. So I'm going to try to stay calm and talk slow. But what a wonderful song that is, right? I love that song. How? An instrument of shame and torture is turned into our salvation, right? That's the emblem for our salvation. Amen to that. So today we'll be in Matthew chapter 13. Verses 1 through 9, and uh, we're going to cover the parable of the sower and the seed. So we're going to learn a little bit about agriculture today <laughs> and how it pertains to us spiritually. Um, it's really exciting for me because during my quiet time, I read through things and sometimes things just really stand out. But when I prepare for a message like this, it's like an adventure for me. It gives me the opportunity to look more critically at the scripture and to try to connect the scripture because I love to see how the Old Testament and the New Testament just fit together so well. And I especially love the, the first four gospels of the New Testament. And I think a lot of people can relate to me on that. It's just to, to read the stories and to see Jesus and what he did on this earth when he walked the earth. And uh, it's just amazing to me. So I'm really excited, and I, I hope today we can go on an adventure together through this and, and learn, and we can take this lesson and take it out to the world. So Matthew 13, 1 through 9, if we'd please stand in honor of God's word. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up, since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell along thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred, a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and we're going to study your word and, and learn this message. Lord, I ask that you open all of our minds and all of our hearts so we can take this lesson today that Jesus taught on the Sea of Galilee and that we can apply it today in this life and that we can go out in the world and just spread your joy. Lord, I ask that you be with me and help me be bold and to glorify you through it all and to keep me calm as I, as I teach on your word and to just, just lift you up, Lord. I ask that I just lift you up. I'm here where I'm supposed to be and I ask that you use me the way I'm supposed to be used and that everybody here can understand how wonderful and how great and how loving you are. It's in your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, the parable of the sower and the seed, and it's just a really powerful lesson. It's really powerful, and I'm going to break it down, and, and we're going to look at the different soils, because it's the parable of the sower, but we're going to focus on the soil types today. This is the first parable that comes up in Matthew that Jesus taught. It's the first of many. We're lucky that Jesus gave us a template for this one. He explains the parable and the meaning of the parable and the meaning of all the different soils and the aspects of this. And he explains it to us in verse 18 through 23. So we'll be looking in verses 1 through 9. 
And then we're going to look at the explanations in verses 18 through 23. So I kind of like to look at this as like as a master key, right? Like a codex that we can use this and apply it to the other parables. This is very important to understand. And in uh, the Gospel of Mark, Mark 14, verse 13, Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How, will, how then will you understand all the parables? So it's how he taught. So a parable... It's like a simple story to illustrate something, like a moral lesson or a spiritual lesson so that Jesus used these things that the people of that time would have understood. It says he sat down on the sea and a, and a great crowd gathered around him. So he had to get on a boat. My book, my Bible, is an archaeological Bible. And it says he was at a cove and that some people believe it was Sower's Cove and it was really small. So when these people would have gathered around him, they'd have been on the beach and he was on a boat. So his voice would have travel across the water and it almost would have been like a concert today or some kind of an amphitheater so everybody would have been able to hear him and see him so he's the center of this whole thing and speaking to all these people a great crowd and it just it's amazing it would have been amazing to witness that to be a part of that but he uses these parables to teach lessons it's a tool that he uses and he can put people in these situations like the soil and the farmer a lot of these people would have been farmers and looking at it, a lot of these soil conditions, these farmers in Galilee would have understood because it's conditions that they fought year in and year out when they were planting their crop. Another reason that Jesus uses parables, further into chapter 13, verses 10 through 13, Jesus, this is how Jesus answered the disciples. It said, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. We did a study a while back through uh, Sunday school. And we studied a lot of the verses that Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. And that's the last verse of the group I picked today. And it's such a beautifully spoken sentence, right? Because I'm sure we can relate. For people in our lives, our spouses, our, our significant others, our children, you talk to them and they listen, but they don't really hear you, right? Like it doesn't resonate. So I love that he says that because he wants you to pay attention and he wants you to hear the message. So he tells us here that he's, he speaks in parables because someone who is saved and has the Holy Spirit will understand it, right? Will understand this lesson. And the people that do not and are not saved, they don't have the Holy Spirit. They just really don't understand the message of the parable. So the three main components of this parable, we have the sower. Mark 14, 4 tells us the sower sells, the sells, excuse me, the sower sows the word. So, the sower. God, Jesus, Jesus in this, right? He's the sower in this. You and me, we can go out and sow that seed, right? The word of God. Amen. The sower sows the word. We have the seed. Luke 8, 11 tells us the seed is the word of God. So I want to dive into that just a little bit. I'm going to go to John chapter 1 to understand the word of God. And I'm going to start with chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things are made through Him, 
and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. So the word is Jesus, right? He was with God in the beginning. He is God. And I'm going to jump over to verse 14, still in John. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we know that Jesus Christ was the Word. Jesus Christ was born as a baby, as a man, and walked this earth. The Word of God took on flesh. It is Jesus Christ. So we have the sower, we have the seed, and we have the soil. So this is really important. The soil. It's a reference to the condition of our heart, right? The soil in our heart. So it's different kinds of people that we'll encounter, maybe us in different phases of our life and how we've progressed in our walk, right? I know for myself that I've been, for sure, two of these soil types, for sure. So we're going to focus on the soils as we dive deeper into this. So farmers during Jesus' time, when we talk about how they planted and how they sowed the seed, and some fell along the path and in the rocks. And today, farmers work really hard and they have a lot of technology and they have computers in their trucks, they drive straight and they have all these things they apply to the soil to really try to get that good ground. Farmers in Jesus' time would not have had that equipment. They would not have had that technology, right? They would have had likely a satchel or a bag or a sack full of seed and they would have walked and they would have thrown these seeds out. They would have broadcast them. So they're just throwing these seeds everywhere. This is their livelihood. Their yield was their livelihood. If they had a bad yield, they were greatly impacted by this. And that's not so much different today, but they would just throw these seeds everywhere. So as they would throw them around, they'd fall on the different, different types of soil and in different areas. And he's going to use this to teach the people of Galilee and the people today, us today, he's going to teach us what this means for us. So the first type of soil is the path, and that's in verse 4. Jesus gives us the answer to this, this part of the parable in verse 19. So I'm going to be in chapter 13 in Matthew, and I'm going to be going back and forth between verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. So I'm going to start out at 18. It says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So that's the first type of soil on the path. And these would have been like roads that people would have traveled and it had been hard packed, right? So that seed would have just set on the top, wouldn't have been protected by the dirt. And it says the birds come away and snatch it, and that's like the evil one. Satan. We hear the word and it doesn't really penetrate into our hearts and we really don't understand it. It just kind of sits on the surface and it comes and it gets snatched away. It's because it can't penetrate into our hearts or into that soil. When I read this and studied this, my first thought was in Exodus, right? When he was trying, <clears throat> Moses was trying to get the people of Israel free and uh, just was not sitting in the king's heart, right? Just was not soaking in and he saw these works and he just did not understand it. And I put here in my notes that uh, you need that aha moment, right? 
I know we all have had that aha moment, whether it's about God, whether it's about anything, that, whether you're trying to figure something out or put something together and you just don't understand it, or somebody's explaining something to you and you're looking at them like they're speaking another language. It's like, you know, I just don't get it. And then at some point, the flip switches and you're like, whoa, you know, I got it. And I've been that person. I've heard people say that you have to hear the gospel and you have to hear the good news of Jesus Christ many, many times before you're saved because it finally, finally clicks and that seed takes hold and then you're like, whoa, when you wake up. The second type of soil we're going to cover is the rocky ground. And that's in verses 5 and 6. And then I'm going to read Jesus' answer in 20 and 21. So verses 5 and 6 say, Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. But since they had no root, they withered away. So Jesus gives us the answer for this. Verses 20 and 21 says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So the, this person, they hear it and they get excited and then they're filled with joy and they're on fire, right? We've seen these people on fire. And then when something happens in their life, they just kind of fall away and they, they stop being as active and they stop coming to church and it might start small and then it kind of snowballs into a bigger effect. And I know this has happened to me personally. When I was younger, VBS, I was on fire and I go to church every Sunday and then as I grew, it just seemed like I kind of fell away. We can see it's when trouble comes or when you're persecuted and we can be persecuted by, by our family members, right? By our friends, by the world. I know that we talk a lot about our culture and the ways of the world and sometimes it's not so easy, right? That, that evil can just come at you and, and just try to bring you down and that we always have to take the high ground, right? We always have to meet them with love and peace and it just can bring you down and we have to turn to the word so that, so that we don't fall away, right? I put here, we have flower beds in front of our house and they're full of, they're full of rocks instead of mulch, which I like because I don't really have to do much other than weed kill, which I sometimes do, sometimes don't. But I'll walk up and I'll see this, this weed or this plant. I'm like, wow, that thing got really big. It seems like it grew overnight, right? I go to grab it and I'm ready. I'm ready to pull on this plant and it just pops right out. And the roots are like this deep. And there's nothing there, right? They had no depth of root. And when that sun comes, we need that depth of root. We need that understanding because implants have to reach deep, right? To get that water, to get that nutrition, or they will be scorched. I have here Mark 4, 35 through 41. I love this group of verses. I've spoke on it before. Jesus, calm on the storm. Gosh, I love that. It's just, it shows the true essence of Jesus, this big storm. His disciples are on the boat, and he's sleeping, and they think they're going to perish. And they wake him up, and just the way they speak, and they are, they are scared, scared. They're on the Sea of Galilee. It happens right after. We're in one of the parables, and Jesus teaches many parables, and he gets on this boat, so this happens right after it. We have to trust in God and Jesus Christ when we feel that way, when we feel overcome. And that the storms of life are going to take us away, that Jesus will calm our storm just as he calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Amen. 
And then I have noted in 2 Corinthians, Paul referring to his thorn. When we have these things happen, we have this trouble and this persecution that are bringing us down and trying to get us off the path, that we need to use this and we need to boast in our weakness to show the true power of God, right? That we need to glorify God in everything. Even when we're in troubled times, we're being persecuted. We need to turn these into good things. Just as like when I got up here and I talked about that song, the cross was meant to bring shame and to punish and torture, and now it is our symbol for our salvation. So we have to take these things and we have to use our weaknesses to show the true power of God. We did a, a very long study of Hebrews. Rob went through the whole book of Hebrews with us, I think most of last year, and we learned at one point that these people drift away. It's in the beginning part of our study that in Hebrews that these people would just slowly drift away. And this is these people. They're the rocky ground. Their faith was never, they were never truly saved. That these people, they come to church and they might be baptized and they might do everything they're supposed to do to show us that, right? They have the head knowledge, but we always want that heart knowledge. And they do, they go through all the motions, but they never truly accept Jesus Christ into their hearts. So they're never truly saved. For me, that was a hard thing to wrap my mind around as a young Christian because, you know, I see them and it, it's not for us to know, right? It's not for us to know it's between them and God, but you would see these people come and go and I'm one of them and I drifted away. Was I truly saved? No, I do not believe I was. I did not have the understanding and the love and the knowledge that I have now. So we've talked about the path and we've talked about the rocky ground. So the third soil type are the thorns. We're going to look in chapter 13, verse 7, and then we're going to get Jesus' answer in verse 22. So verse 7 says, Other seeds fell along the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. So verse 22, Jesus is telling the disciples, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So, All these other things, right? The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, they become more important and they choke out what's, what's truly important. I'm not a farmer, but me and Heather try to be homesteaders. So we plant a little garden. And we can tell you firsthand what happens when thorns and thickets and weeds grow up. The, the plants you want to produce are not producing because these plants are choking them out and taking the nutrients and it's, it's real. And we can let this happen to us too if we do not focus on the important things in our life and our relationship with God and our salvation that we let these, these cares of the world choke us out and choke out, we will produce fruit. It reminds me of my first sermon I ever did. I, got, I was so blessed to get to do it here. And I talked about Jesus being the true vine, right? We are meant to produce fruit. We are meant to go out and make disciples and to grow the kingdom of God. And when we let these other things choke out us, essentially it is us, then we don't produce any fruit. So the cares of the world, I'm going to turn to Matthew 6, verses 21, and verses 19 through 21, and I'm going to jump to verse 25. So verse 19 says, do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasures are, your heart will be also. So that goes to 
the cares of the world, right? That, that we're so focused on these cares and, and what's happening and maybe our social status. And that's where our heart's going to be. Our heart's never really going to be on our eternal salvation in heaven. Our heart's not going to be in the word of God if we're worried about these other things. And then I wanted to throw in verse 25 because I get really anxious about things. and I'm sure some people relate. So he says that, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Well, you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. Well, you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So I, I like that because it reminds me that let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. You know, sometimes I let little things really take over and, I, and I, it takes my focus off other things. So we're, we're to put up our treasures in heaven and not let the cares of the world choke out our seed. The second part of this in verse 22, Jesus says, The deceitfulness of riches, which we talked about it just a little bit in Sunday school, that the root of all evil is money. And I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 19, verses 21 and 22, about the rich young man. So this rich young man runs up to Jesus saying, good teacher, good teacher, you know, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus answers him and says, you have to do these commands. And of course, the young man says, I've done all these since he was a kid up, right? I've done these. And instead of Jesus saying, no, you haven't, right? Because we know he hasn't. The only person that has ever lived or will ever live a perfect life is Jesus Christ. This is Jesus' response, verse 21 and 22. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go. I'm going to say that one more time because he says perfect, right? Jesus says to him, if you would be perfect, go. Sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Verse 22 tells us what happens. It says, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He's standing in front of the king of kings, our salvation, our savior. And Jesus says, sell everything you have, give away the money. You don't, you're not going to get any of this. And come follow me. The opportunity to follow our Savior and learn from him personally, this young man could not do it because he had great possessions. So he let his possessions and his riches rule his life, right? The riches are deceitful. I have that, that stuff can't fill our souls, right? That sometimes we look for answers in things and things and money and like I said, social status. And these things give us a false sense of security. When we have money, when we have things and we're comfortable in life, it gives us this false sense of security so that when something happens, we're like, oh, I can fix this or I have the money to do that. Or you get in legal trouble and you're like, I'll pay a lawyer and it'll go away. We really need to be turning to God in those situations. So we're letting these things and these riches get in our way of that relationship with God because that's what God really wants, right? He wants that relationship with us. He wants our hearts and our love and it is truly a relationship. It is, it is a two-way street. I've also noted that this is not just a problem for rich people. Because it's not. Because I have been where I had nothing. And I fought and fought and fought because I thought I need to make more money. Right? I wasn't rich. I'm not rich now. My pursuit of the money made the money the ruler of my life. I didn't have it. I wasn't rich. It still ruled my life and I dedicated my life and a lot of my time in pursuit of that money to get the things that money would give me. When I really should have been putting my time and effort in pursuing a relationship with that has truly given me everything I've ever wanted and more. 
so the love of stuff and money fills our hearts and they become idols and there's no room in there for God, right? Because these things are filling up our hearts. So the fourth type of ground, the fourth type of soil, Jesus covers in verse 8 and he gives us the answer in verse 23. Finally, to the good soil, right? We've covered the three not so desirable bad soils that are not going to yield any crop for us. So now let's cover the good ground. So verse 8 Jesus said, other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. We turn to verse 23, and here's Jesus' answer. He says, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another 60, and in another 30. How wonderful is that, right? I hope someday that the seed that was implanted in me that bears that much fruit for the kingdom of God. I truly hope that I can bear a hundredfold for Jesus Christ in my work in the kingdom. I truly do. And it'll be all the glory to him, right? Amen. I talked about John 15, that Jesus is the true vine. And that God is going to prune us to produce fruit and take these things away, these distractions. Like I talked about the money and the stuff and the, and the social status. And that he'll prune us. And that the sower, which is the farmer, has worked hard for this ground, right? Some of you can relate. You put in a lot of time and a lot of effort, a lot of money. When you work your ground so that it's good ground and you apply these things like I talked about you know fertilizer and weed killer and you apply all these things so that your ground is the best that it can be to produce the highest yield it can produce so that is God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit working on our heart Pharaoh had a hardened heart he saw these things the seed just set on the surface right it didn't penetrate God and the Holy Spirit will work on our hearts to soften our hearts. And when that seed takes hold, it's that aha moment. And I'm going to say it's that amen moment. Amen? Because amen. it just grows and grows, and it's just amazing to watch. So God's going to prune us, and he's going to pull out the thorns, right? And it's going to hurt, and it's going to be painful. And he's going to take them rocks away so that our, our plant can dig deep, right, in that good soil. And although it hurts in a moment, I've noticed over my life that you see these things that are super important to you. Like you, you spend a lot of time and you, a lot of your focus are on these things. And as, as my life progresses and my walk with Jesus Christ progresses, these things just kind of fall away. Amen. And it hurts at first. And then when you look back, you're like, I really didn't need that. It was not nearly as important as what I thought. So once we let loose like Danny said you know we just need to let God Danny or Nick I don't remember one of you said that we just need to let go and let God take over right so when we produce fruit what's the fruit and what's the yield for us it's making disciples right yes. to make disciples I've talked about the fruit I'm the fruit of Kyle me and my wife he reached out to us and that seed took hold and I am so thankful for that I'm, I'm his fruit, and I hope that I make as much fruit as I possibly can while I'm here on this earth. And we know in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, and our kids sing a song up here, and it's so cute, and they make the noises. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
And all those things our world does not have enough of, right? We talked about our culture and justice and injustice. And if we're out there creating fruit by spreading love and joy and peace, we're not doing anything wrong, right? We are doing great things for the kingdom of God that when we go and tell these people how much he loves them and how much he desires to have this relationship for them, it's just, it's, it's a miracle to see somebody come to know Christ. So to summarize this, we have the soils, right? We have the four types. We have the three, not so desirable, and we have the good, the good soil. We can be the sower, just as Jesus Christ is the sower, and we can be the soil, but we cannot be the seed. The seed doesn't change. So Jesus is explaining all these situations and all these outcomes. He's giving us the answer of what's happening. The seed is always, always, always the same. Just as Jesus Christ and God and the Holy Spirit for all eternity from creation forever are never changing. The seed never changes. So we must work to be the good soil. We can still do that. The Holy Spirit will soften our hearts and that seed will take hold. But we can still work to pursue God, to seek God, to seek that relationship. And it's going to happen. Ultimately, it's God's will. It truly is. But we can still make steps to become the best soul we can be so that when that seed, when Jesus Christ is implanted in our heart, we become the biggest and most beautiful plant in the whole garden, right? So we still have work to do ourselves. And this is the same in others. Our field is the whole world. The Great Commission calls us to go to all nations to spread the word and make disciples. And we're not to judge other people. We don't decide what type of soil is in their heart. We don't look at somebody and think, they're not going to hear me. I'm not going to waste my time. That is not our decision to make. We are called to bear fruit. We are called to go spread the good news of Jesus Christ and how I will have eternal life because of what he did for me. He paid for my sins on the cross, on that old rugged cross. So we're to go out. And we are not to be selective about where we spread our seed. We are to be out and just spreading our seed everywhere, to broadcast it in all places and all soils. And Jesus Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit will decide what type of soil they are. So to close, I'd like to turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 16, and 17. Because I truly believe once that seed, once the word of God, takes root in the good soil of our hearts that will grow into a new creation, that will grow into this big, beautiful plant in the garden and will make so much fruit for the kingdom of God and bring all the glory to God. So it says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So thank you guys. That's what I have today. And I really am really blessed to get to be able to come up here and to talk about God in front of you all. So thank you. Amen. Thank you.